Gracious God, as we turn to your word for us, may the Spirit of God rest upon us. Help us to be steadfast in our hearing, in our speaking, in our believing, and in our living. Amen. The first scripture reading this morning is from Psalm number 8. It may be found on page 482 of your pew Bible. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you take care of them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The word of the Lord. Our second reading this morning comes from John's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. It can be found on your pew, in your pew Bible on page 984. Uh, this is a part of John's Gospel. Uh, Jesus uh, and just two more chapters will be betrayed and arrested, so we're getting to the end of John's Gospel. And Jesus is trying to uh, give comfort, uh, explain to the disciples about the coming of the Holy Spirit and how uh, that might help them in their ministry. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the word of the Lord. So happy Father's Day to all you dads and granddads and great-granddads and just maybe folks that took on that mantle of being a dad. Today is a special day for us. As a dad myself, uh, I've been kind of thinking a lot lately about that role. Uh, you see, our youngest daughter just turn that corner. She just got through her junior year of college, and graduation is, you know, less than a year away. We're already making plans for it, which is kind of crazy. Um, but it makes me reflect upon, you know, my life and that transition and what that means, and, uh, you know, maybe that's kind of where this sermon sprang forth and that thought process. You know, the Holy Spirit just kind of whispering in my ear these, these words of Scripture, that I wanted to share with you today. Now, I graduated from Columbia Theological Seminary 14 years ago, and I'm sure a lot has probably changed in theological education since then, and some things maybe are still the same. 
I still believe that seminaries try to give the students a, a good grounded theological education in both word and deed. The word is studied in the classroom and discussed over coffee and small group discussions. But the deed part usually takes shape in the form of an internship with some type of hands-on experience in a church. Now, my wife Susie and I went to seminary together along with our children, who at the time were starting the second grade and preschool. I started my practical theology at the end of my first summer as an intern at Germantown Presbyterian Church in Germantown, Tennessee. It was a great experience with a very vibrant church and a seasoned pastoral staff who taught me a lot. But then came my second year, and as that year came to an end, I began to think about where I would go for my second summer. So I called back to Germantown and talked to the pastor there and asked him if he had some advice as to where I might find a good experience for my second internship. And without thinking about it too deeply, he instantly said, I know where you need to go. He said, you need to go to Charlotte under a guy named Steve Eason. I'll never forget what he said. He said, he really has it going on. And he really did. No idea that Steve at that moment had been here at this church before that. And believe me, it's quite a story to tell you how I actually eventually got to Myers Park, but let's just suffice it today to say I did. By divine providence and some needs that were there at Myers Park, I ended up there that summer in the summer of 2004. Susie and I and the two kids were in an apartment just down the street from the church. It was a truly great summer. I learned a lot about a large congregation and how it functions in ministry. We made many friends, some of whom we are still friends with today. But there's one event that stands out in our collective family memory. One Sunday, we were all in church together, and Steve was preaching on Psalm 8, which you just heard read to you where the first verse and the last verse are the same in Psalm 8. Now, some translations we had sovereign in this, the translation I tend to like is says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic be thy name in all the earth. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic be thy name in all the earth. And Steve's sermon was about really the church universal, about his own life and about life there at Myers Park, and how blessed it had all been by the majesty and power of God's word. And he repeated that verse throughout the sermon. Now, as I said, it is Father's Day, so I can tell a few stories on my kids and get away with it. It usually costs me dearly when I use them as sermon illustrations. But my two children at that particular time, the oldest one being Raleigh and the youngest one being Carter Lee, I would have to say at that particular time in life that Carter Lee was the more expressive in her faith. Maybe it was the innocence of a preschooler. Raleigh, on the other hand, was that deep-thinking third grader and not exactly as expressive about his faith. But we did talk that day after church about Psalm 8 and about that verse and what it meant to our family. But as with many things, that conversation was eventually tucked away in our collective memory 
as we packed up and headed back to Columbia for our senior year. It wasn't long after we got back, maybe a couple of weeks, the four of us were in the car coming back from an errand. And as we pulled into the family housing there on campus, there on the park bench right by where we would park our car was the largest bird I think I've ever seen outside of a zoo. The sunlight was breaking through the trees like a spotlight on this magnificent black bird. The sunlight reflected rainbow of colors that made it look like the bird actually glowed from the inside. It was breathtaking. So I slowed the car down and we just stopped and the four of us sat there and stared for a moment in silence at this beautiful creature that God had created. But then out of the back of the car came the tiny voice of Raleigh. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic be thy name in all the earth. Raleigh had remembered those words of scripture. They had percolated in his little mind for weeks and finally faced with God's majestic creation. He remembered them and he spoke them. God's word in our midst, by the power of the Holy Spirit, made known and real to us and to the church. Our scripture reading today from John's gospel is where Jesus is trying to tell the disciples about the coming of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit will bring that indwelling word to them. He says to them, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now, I'm no psychologist, but I really think that we think in word pictures, or at least I do. If I say the word dog, most of you just instantly got a picture of a dog in your mind. Now, it might be your dog. It might be a movie you've seen about a dog or a picture of a dog. But for me, that's kind of how our mind works. So when I read this scripture and I see that word declare, and I see it repeated three times, I get a picture in my mind of someone standing on a sidewalk, shouting a proclamation. And I'll be honest with you, I don't get a real warm fuzzy with that picture. So I wondered as I read this text, what did those disciples take from that word? What did it mean to them? So I looked it up in the Greek dictionary and the different tools I have to break down those words. And the Greek word that we translate as declare has a much deeper meaning. The meaning of that word describes a divine messenger, someone who is sent to deliver a message into the midst of a group, a group of people, a divine messenger who is sent to deliver a message into the midst of a group of people. So I can assume that is something similar to what the disciples might have envisioned Jesus talking about. 
a divine messenger sent to them to tell them of the things to come, to walk with them in their ministry, and to know God's plan for them. They wouldn't fully understand all this till after Jesus' death and resurrection when the Holy Spirit appeared to them at Pentecost, like Dr. Bynum talked about last week. Now, as I said earlier, today is Father's Day, but it is also in the church calendar Trinity Sunday. So as we reflect on that relationship we have as fathers or with our fathers, we also reflect on our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And for me, there is no better way to understand all of this than what we just witnessed in baptism. It is truly the intersection of word and deed. Ancient words were spoken. Water was placed on a child's head. So we were lucky to have Livy and Griffin here with us, and we used that language of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. I remember a story I heard once from Tom Long, who is the preaching professor at the Candler School of Theology at Emory University in Atlanta. He told the story of a Presbyterian minister who had just retired after 50 years of serving the church. The pastor was remembering his most special moments in ministry, and baptisms were right up there with his most special moments. He especially remembered one time that he baptized a little two-year-old boy. And after the child had been baptized with water and the Holy Trinity invoked, the pastor, following the old Presbyterian prayer book, put his hands on the boy's head and said, You are a child of God, sealed by the Spirit in your baptism, and you belong to Jesus Christ forever. And the little boy looked up at the old pastor and said, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. A divine messenger has entered into our midst. A divine messenger that is giving us a word from God, calling us to practical application of that word in our lives and in the world. That uh-oh is a recognition that everything changes when that water courses over our brow and those Trinitarian words are spoken. We will never be the same. Just as the disciples would never be the same after they encountered the Holy Spirit. When we turn ourselves over to God, our biological family takes the back seat to our new divine family. And we are called to live in the world the way the Trinity lives, in love and self-giving. When we encounter the living God in word and deed, we must live a different way. A way that will many times bring us pain and suffering and rejection. To declare that we belong to God is to belong to a life of God, to be a community of one God in three persons, and to be called to live our whole lives in the way of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, how they relate to one another with unconditional love and self-giving. Just a few moments ago, you made a promise a promise in the baptismal covenant to share the good news of the gospel with Livy and Griffin. 
It's the same promise that was made to you at your baptism. But making that promise is easier to say. It's sometimes very hard to do. How do we live our lives day in and day out with God's word in our midst, both word and deed? How do we know Christ and make Christ known to others? How will we live out that promise to Livy and Griffin and all the other children of God? If we're honest with ourselves, at times it's a bit of a struggle. How can we talk about a God who so loved the world when we are faced on a daily basis with war, devastation, political squabbling, poverty, and personal destructive behaviors of loved ones and even ourselves? My friends, the only answer I have for you is Scripture. God's Word to us. God's sacred Word spoken to us, not in isolation, but in the midst of our family, in the midst of our church family, and in the midst of our community. God's divine Word to the disciples and to us is promised to be in our midst that way, in the midst of a community of believers a community that stretches beyond these walls and encircles the globe. My prayer for all of us this week, a week that's filled with the beginning of Vacation Bible School starting tomorrow, Montreat travelers that returned last night, and many other trips that are planned to go out over the summer, that we will ponder God's word in our midst. What divine word is God giving us today? What majestic wonder is being revealed to us? And how will we live our lives as God's chosen people? May the Holy Spirit fill us with the word this day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.